0: Bonsoir! How are you, dear friends? We are building the most inspiring and phenomenal communities of wine lovers. As we all know, wine is the catalyst of the greatest discussion. We'll be talking wine, but of course food, and everything that touches all our emotions and senses. Bonjour, bonsoir, dear friends. Bienvenue, welcome to JCB Live. This is the happy hour time and a happy hour very special. As I'm here in the heart of Napa Valley, I can almost see Robin on the edge of this fabulous Makamas Mountain. Robin Lale is one of the most amazing historical family in the heart of Napa Valley. Her great-grandfather was Mr. Niebaum. Can you believe? 135 years with the daughters of an incredible history legacy in the wine world. Her father, John Daniels, was in charge and owned Inglenook till the 70s. Afterwards, a great life in the heart of Napa Valley, Robin studied in the famous university, Stanford University, and then decided, slowly but surely, to enter the wine world. She was with Robert Mondavi, an amazing, incredible creator of the famous Napa Valley Wine Auction. Thereafter, she created with Mr. Mwex, our good friend Christian, the wonderful estate Dominus. After that, she created Maryvale with Mr. Harlan and then moved on to really create then her own estate. You could see the wonderful wine of Blueprint and Lane Vineyards. Robin is amazing, charismatic, And obviously, a true blessing for Napa Valley to have so much heritage, history, and knowledge of vineyards, winemaking, and naturally is encouraging, like many of us, climate change, and of course, the organic and biodynamic philosophy in her estates and around the world. So, dear friends, with our bubbles today, the Raymond Vineyards Napa Valley, I'm very pleased to bring on the famous. Robin Lale. Woo! Okay. Hello, hello. Hello Robin.
1: <laughs> so good to be with you. Always an experience that is totally unforgettable.
0: Well, I remember this wonderful flight when we were together going to Texas. Wasn't it memorable? Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was, absolutely. It's not often that you meet someone
1: um, in a cab, well, first in a bag- baggage area, and then in a the cab, and you never, ever forget them. So that's you. I'm,
0: you're always with me, no matter what. Well, so Robin, I want to obviously raise my glass with our wonderful Napa Valley sparkling wine to you, your irresistible daughters, and obviously your family legacy in the heart of Napa Valley. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Robin, you know, your family have been the pioneers of Napa Valley. Everyone would love to know because not that many people uh, have the fortune to be born, raised, and to continue to live in the Napa Valley like you. Tell us, how has it been? It has been just extraordinary
1: you know one might think that it's a tiny little area so so just 37 miles long and five miles wide at its widest point but Napa valley is a treasure a national treasure mm-hmm. and the most beautiful place to grow up so i came to ingle in a receiving blanket and um spent um, until i was 30 there in and out of this beautiful property What a great place to grow up. So I played in the vineyards. I drove through the vineyards with my father, pointing out the difference between the Chardonnay leaves and the grapes and the Cabernet leaves and the so forth and on. My father was so charismatic and such a a Renaissance gentleman in his own right. And um, so in the vineyards, lying on my back in the mustard in the spring and looking up at the clouds, a little bit like um, Charlie Brown with with Schroeder, (laughs) looking up at the clouds and Charlie Brown, Schroeder says, Charlie Brown, what do you see? And Charlie Brown says, I see a horsey and a ducky. And then he says, Schroeder, what do you see? And Schroeder says, I see Beethoven, I see Mozart. So I was more in the horsey and ducky, category. I had a wonderful tree house that overlooked the vineyard and a wonderful Indian mound that that had been left by our forebearers here. And we used to hunt for arrowheads and mortars in the in the vineyards. And there was wine on the table every night. And um, it's just this beautiful place. And of course, as I got a little bit older into my teen years, I was forced by my father, such a bad man, <laughs> to walk home from school, you know. It wasn't through the snow, but it might as well have been the way I looked at it, except that I always got to uh, stop by the winery. There's a beautiful um, oak tasting room in the winery that was imported by Gustav Nibam, and I would go in the tasting room and have a glass of ice water from the tap in a, in a wine glass, and then go around and pester the staff, and go upstairs, and and my favorite time of year was harvest with those fabulous smells. So um, and Napa Valley was a very different place at that time. You know, Jean Charles, um, my father used to complain about the number of visitors that we had, and um, that there were some forty thousand visitors a year. And of course, now. Um, <clears throat> We're substantially larger and we love our visitors. They're so important to us um, because we love to share our wines with them. So it's a great place to grow up. Very different, very quiet, not so many wineries. When I was growing up that really, that winery rush really didn't start until the 1990s. So Prohibition, which had started in 1920 and only ran for 13 years was really devastating to the wine business here. And following the end of Prohibition in 1933, just 10 wineries reopened. So my father and Robert Mondavi, my dad was Bob Mondavi's mentor in the wine business. Those two men shared the vision that Napa Valley could make wine second to none and set out to prove it. And it's taken a while,
0: but um, I think the results today are quite beautiful. Oh, absolutely magnificent. And you were so much part of it. So when was the moment actually you have your first wine? I would imagine with your father, Mr. John Daniels, he put a little bit of wine on your gums naturally as you were stilling in the delivery room. But is there a moment, uh, Robin, that you have that was the epiphany moment for you as, as the daughter of a great wine family?
1: yes there is but oddly enough it wasn't um i don't remember the crib to be honest (laughs) But, but you know my mother um who was gone for a number of years when i was a little girl came back and i think she was feeling perhaps a little remorse maybe a little guilt for disappearing for for that period of time and so she announced that she would raise my sister and i in the in the mormon church Which is a lovely religion however um, it has nothing no um, love affair with wine wine is forbidden and so um, as a youngster i was allowed to smell i smelled a lot of wines um, and you know happily 85 percent of the enjoyment of a bottle of a glass of wine comes from here so (laughs) the first the first tasting i remember was literally going with my dad when I was at Stanford to a um, commercial tasting and I remember saying to him, Sean Charles, oh dad, you know, what if the wine tastes awful? And he said, this is what you do. He said, you know, you look at the wine in the glass, you smell the wine, then you very thoughtfully put it to your lips and you taste the wine you look into the eyes of the proprietor or whoever is pouring the wine and say, that is so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I love that word,
0: it means it all, right? That's a deadly word. (laughs) Now, how did you do with your own wonderful daughters as far as their wine education? Because a lot of our friends watching love wine, collect wines, and obviously are big fans of wines, they have young children and the question I always get with my daughters: is when did you start and how do you do it or how did you do it? So what's your advice? Well, and so how did you do it?
1: <laughs> so I had what you might call not a great start. <clears throat> One night um, when our little girl, our first child, Erin, was um, three years old, we went to a restaurant in Mill no Valley, a little Italian restaurant and um my husband and i were having a bottle of wine and there was water on the table and i said you know darling really it's it's time just to put a tiny little bit of wine into some water and have aaron taste the wine well (laughs) not a good result i don't think it was very much wine but aaron apparently thought it was a lot of wine and she was immediately, immediately high. She started laughing really? but, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Everyone in the restaurant turned around, you know. And then she was giggling, She was told, we had to leave. We had to leave. Are you serious? I'm totally serious. So um, that was my, my first introduction to my child for wine. <laughs> I and of it. course, we were very much more subdued
0: after that, <laughs> even yeah. at home, when laughter couldn't be heard. <laughs> and and oh. today, today, Robin, which is so exciting, and, and we should start with this wine, you are with your daughters making yes. wine. So from that experience, obviously there was another moment of great conversion, right? Because now she, they both are very much into wine. When well, you make wine together. Just, just
1: one and the other, so sadly, the little girl that laughs so loudly, she is a violently allergic to wine. How can that be? That is so unfair. I don't like that expression, unfair. It's unfair. So
0: unfair. <laughs> well, hopefully it would change. You know, allergies evolve. So maybe there's going to be a good outcome out of it. So, you know, Robin, as we speak, i'd love for you to describe to us this beautiful blueprint sauvignon blanc that we are enjoying and i want to say to everyone as you will be interested in purchasing those wines robin very generously as well as all our wines at raymond will donate 10 percent of all the proceeds of whatever is being purchased to climate change organ change organization that robin has selected so robin Tell us a little bit about this beautiful wine.
1: So this, this glass of wine, I think, um, you know, I'm very bad, honestly, Jean-Charles. I, I rave about my children, and I do get excited about our wine. So I believe that this glass of wine has its own unique character. Um, Sauvignon Blanc has really come of age in Napa Valley, and we are making universally making beautiful Sauvignon Blanc wines, I think, um, very exciting and fresh and beautiful. And w- there's, no, there's no proper way to make a Sauvignon Blanc, which is so much fun because it's a wide open playing field. This particular wine is fermented in New French oak, all New French oak, and then immediately transfers to stainless steel and lives there for a brief period of time after harvest and then is bottled as a baby um, in generally in April following the harvest year. The wine I have in my hand is the 2019. Oh, the baby. Yes, it is. But this particular Sauvignon Blanc, the blueprint Sauvignon Blanc, has a, has a nice lifestyle ahead of it and will be good for anywhere from five to 10 years. Again, rather unusual for a Sauvignon Blanc made in um, a simple style. So I love the wine. Um, It comes from uh, two different vineyard areas, one in um, Yonville, which is a warmer area, and then from Coombsville, which is a cooler area. So the mariage of those two different viticultural areas, one warm, one cool, plus this flirtation with oak, I think gives the wine two things which I like very much. And one of them is this beautiful mouth-filling quality. Yes. Let me not forget the the aromatics of this wine, which are so inviting, you think, oh! Oh, yeah, I think I, I really should have some of that right now. I need more, of course. <laughs> I love that I need more. That's beautiful. And then a lovely, a lovely finish. And the wine in your mouth, you know, sometimes with white wines, um, they're a bit neutral. Not this wine. Mm, no, it has um, some things to discover that are very charming.
0: So, And I'm delighted because we're making, we're going to be comparatively taste or marry it with Raymond, our common friend, Philippe Melka, is with you as well, and consults with us too. So, you're surrounded today with Frenchmen. I love it. (laughs) I'm, I'm
1: I'm no fool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Robin, on that note, you've created so many wonderful things for the history of Napa Valley. What is the most memorable moments you've lived in Napa Valley? Yourself? And then I have a following question to that. So, there are
1: many. There are many, many. Um, Among my most memorable moments um, was the first auction, the first auction Napa Valley, which as you know has now raised just over two hundred million dollars for local um, education of children and healthcare. But the first, the first auction was um, extraordinary. We had no idea as a Napa Valley vintners if it would be successful or not, and um, because it was the first, it was the first in the United States. The only other existing auction at the time was uh, <coughs> the Ospista Bone in of Burgundy. Course. Um, which had started in the 1700s, but there were no wine auctions here. So um, it was a collection of, of really amazing moments. And let me just share with you
0: yes. <laughs> and a not so good moment coming from the first auction in Africa. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> what I want to make sure as you develop this idea for everybody to understand, you founded it, you were the first one in the early 80s To start the Napa Valley Wine Auction. So I really want to commend you and I want everybody to know Of course Robin makes many covers You know and this one is incredible. This is the wine spectator cover And I would like for everyone to know that there's a beautiful picture of Robin in the magazine On the right side of Robert Mondavi and many other wonderful people as you could see, who were really the founder of it. And look at that, how great you, you are. And I want everybody to know this issue is very recent. This was May 31st of the Wine Spectator. So as you all will want to know more about Robin because she is such an incredible lady and she's done so much. Get the article on the Wine Spectator. You can easily download them from the website. And uh, I, I'm so excited, Robin, because you know, I come from Burgundy. I've attended the auction since the age of 10 years old. In mm. You know, we've been obviously very active in the last 40 years at the Burgundy Wine Auction. So when we heard, and I was only 11 years old when you started, but we talked about it in Burgundy that. This incredible vision in Napa started to help the community and auction wine, and and thereafter great trips and everything that came after. I really want to commend you. So you were about to say, what is the the tough part of that moment? Of memory? So, so you know, we had
1: um, my my good friend and um, another kind of mentor, Bill Harlan, and I and my husband and his um, young lady of the moment um, <clears throat> went to the Hospice de Beaune in Burgundy and then came back and uh, began. And we, we instituted there in Burgundy, there is something called the Dine, Dine au Chandeau. Yes. Which is this beautiful candlelight dinner that happens in the bastions of the old hospital and uh, so we had a candlelight dinner, that was part of our first auction. And the, the temperature at the time was running about 110. It was so-
0: I know what's gonna happen.
1: And I don't think you do. <laughs> so now um, we had spent two years planning this auction, really carefully, every I dotted, every T crossed. So it was marvelous, for going on. And the auction its the dinner and everyone's sweltering, wow. they're so hot. And I look at the tables and I think, ah, oh, there's, there's no water on the tables. So I immediately um, jump to the point and um, have people run up to the restaurant at Meadowood and bring down these beautiful uh, plastic pitchers. And then I run out on the golf course and i fill the pictures and i bring them back in and then the staff puts all these pictures all over everyone's table everyone is drinking the water within um about 15 minutes of doing this i realized that the <laughs> the water on the golf course is uh, untreated it's <laughs> so now i have given the entire guest um, population cholera. <laughs> <laughs> what to do? What to do? What to do? Do I stand up and say, <laughs> immediately go to the hospital? Do I say, I'm the lowest one alive? Um, no. Someone comes to me one moment after that and says, it's all right. And I said, what do you mean it's all right? And she said, just this one faucet that you were working with is is perfectly good (laughs) so i would say but you know it's an amazing thing that my hair did not turn white a lot earlier
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know what i thought you would say robin i thought with the temperature you would say all the candles because this happened to me before yes 110 degrees all the candles melted on (laughs) the tables and you started a fire of some (laughs) kind Well, that's a good story. <laughs> that was amazing. So um, explain us just briefly how was it to create and and how was it to really get people to come? Because a lot of, of our friends listening today are part of a lot of charities, a lot of communities. Mm. And it's never easy to start anything specifically no. with such resounding success. Well, we were
1: we were very lucky. Um, we worked very hard, as I told you. To be honest with you, the the committee that put this option together was a committee of <clears throat> women who were um, either partners or wives of Vintners. The Vintners themselves, which was predominantly male, if not wholly male at the time, um, were very concerned. And they were concerned because they were afraid that we'd Try to do something and look foolish because it would flop. Yeah. And so um, there, there was a committee, um, but but these women were spectacular. Mm-hmm. So Molly Chapelet, you know, did did all the visuals and spent two years scoping the the uh, property at Meadowood to be sure that the sun would be just so and just right. And. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> There's a lot of work that went into it with these fabulous women. And still at the time, you know, when the auction day came, finally, we had no idea what would happen. And I don't think that we made an awful lot of money that year. But we did have a very large audience. We had 500 people come to the auction.
0: That's enormous.
1: So it was enormous. And and so, you know, in its own way, it was originally started to do to do three things. One to raise money for local charities, two, to promote um, Napa Valley wines, and three, to bring the community together more. And we had a 1,000 volunteers working on the auction.
0: So marvelous. So dynamic, so energizing. And so when we talk about um, Napa Valley, as I'm gonna serve now, the other wine that we make with Philippe, in a way with Raymond, is our signature series chardonnay you
1: can see it much better on my
0: screen than on his screen. of course <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> and um i want to toast to everybody and and obviously to all what napa valley is phenomenal for is we an incredible sauvignon blanc a great chardonnay and more to come so how what is your view of Napa Valley and your vision of Napa Valley today and where it ought to go in the future? Big question. I'm drinking first. Oh. And maybe you say a few words on the wine. Robin. Super, Superb. It's a beautiful yes. texture, this wine
1: and marvelous acid backbone that travels all the way through and leaves your mouth so fresh with all these beautiful flavors left
0: behind it's a beautiful glass of wine thank you so much thank you thank you it's great to to taste each other's wine together like this isn't it oh it's so much fun because i look forward to the next one as you can see so so,
1: so i haven't tasted any interesting wine yet. <laughs> 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 So, so, Napa Valley. You know, I said earlier that Napa Valley is a national treasure, and to be honest with you, Sean Charles, years ago, um, the Napa Valley vintners were celebrating a special anniversary, and you were invited along with four other vintners to make comments about Napa Valley and what you saw coming. Yes. And once again, I never ever shall forget your comments, which were the most magnificent and beautiful and stunning comments about the beauty. They were soulful and they were, they spoke to your entire being and your love affair for this valley. So I share that love affair Um, Sadly, I'm not as eloquent as you, um, but... Much more.
0: And you are with a pen as we'll talk later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this place is a unique place. And you know, one of the things is... Remember, I was speaking earlier about the fact that it's not very big. And so what happens, I think, is that the soul and the spirit and the passions that are extant in this valley, and there are a lot of them, believe me, Um, get captured between the ranges of hills on either side and they reverberate back and forth. And so people come here and they are taken. They're taken. They're touched. And um, living here is one of those things that you never get tired of. Um, You know, here we are in this crazy time and um, we're so lucky to be here locked down in in this beautiful place. So... What goes forward, it's fascinating. We're all looking at that very seriously, of course. Um, Temperatures are rising. Yes. What effect will that have? We're thinking about it. We're we're looking at it. We're working on it. Some people are planting new vineyards with um, older varieties that are hardy. Um, But there is a future here, and that's my most important point. This place will not go away. And the intensity of the people who populate this place will not go away. And we will not, we will not, I assure you, let it fall, nor will we let the quality of the wines that we're producing here fall. We have a a love affair with with this small place that's second to none. It's second to none. And we have a community here. Of vintners, again, that is second to none. We are we are an extraordinary, very strong, very determined, very um, elated population. And you know, we are a family. We protect each other. We watch out for each other. We promote each other. I I I love what's more fun than to promote wines made by someone that you love with all your heart for their um, spirit and soul and ideas and forward motion. So we're moving, we're always moving. We look at um, what we're doing, we protect our land with, with everything that we know how to do because it is, of course, the start. So way too much comment um, no, but,
0: not, um, not, not enough. We want to hear more. You're such a, an incredible, not only speaker, storyteller and inspiration. Now, Robin, as well, your estates and your vineyards are committed to Green Napa Valley and, of course, all the natural practices as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and your belief on, on climate and the environment at large? I, I'd be delighted to. So, um
1: we're farming our vineyards um, in a style called carbon farming and carbon farming is simply the effort to do as little intervention with your property with your ground with your soil with your vines as pardon me we like to do in the winery you know so we protect the land how do we do that Um, we don't till the land Every so often we have to, maybe every five years, it has to be done or else the surface will become almost impervious. Yes. But in the meantime, you know, we try to keep um, mechanical um, things like tractors off of it. And we try to do little, little um, interventions. So there are certain things that have to be done. Um, we farm organically, but in terms of this carbon issue, so, for instance, I am a very, very fastidious, I'm I'm probably a problem, very tidy. Oh, t- so tidy. And um, so I like the beautiful, pristine vineyards with the perfect rose, with the perfect, sure. absolutely perfectly pruned and um, trimmed and everything. And on the ground, there's nothing, nothing, nothing green. It's just whatever it is, it's either The mat of mowed grass that is now brown. No, nothing. Well, let me tell you in carbon farming, that's not the case.
0: That's right. Well, your vineyard. We like it untidy. (laughs) your, Your vineyard looks like a jungle. You know, it's filled with flowers and it's filled with weeds
1: and it's filled with all these things that are so beneficial to the soil. So the idea is what is the idea? Keep your soil alive. You know, we're we're farming here for grandchildren and for their grandchildren. Yes. And so we're grateful. I'm so grateful to be farming this way. And I just look up in the sky, you know, as I'm walking through the vineyards, I look up in the sky and I see how perfect it is. <laughs> and then I look down and pet the flowers <laughs> say, good job. Beautiful. Yes. So um carbon farming. Net carbon um, contribution is something that we're striving for, a lot of us in this business, lots and lots of us. In Napa Valley, we farm pretty universally, at least sustainably. And um, we take care of our soil. And we take care of our minds. And um, I I believe that we are in a a climate crisis. I use that word. with with great gusto,
0: yes. But as you should, I'm so glad you are, and uh, we we fully agree with you.
1: And I know that you are doing many wonderful. Will you tell
0: please about about how you're farming. Well, we should pour the next wine, of course, because this is a fabulous Cabernet Sauvignon. So, as we talk, maybe we could taste. The two wines side-by-side, side. I'm going to put the blueprint and the Raymond Rutherford. On the Raymond Rutherford, as an example, we, Robin, have gone, exactly, and here we are. Here, yeah, that's so nice. Isn't it
1: great to have friends? I love having friends.
0: <laughs> and we, we are, you know, Robin, since 1998 my sister and I embarked in Burgundy into certification organic and biodynamic. So we farm all our estates, at this stage over a thousand acres, fully certified organic and biodynamic. And in fact, by the way, I want to tell you, I love the scarf. So stylish, so elegant, so refined. And I'm sure everybody agrees with me. Beautiful scarf. So we, we like you beautifully, into nature, not necessarily always the most beautiful part of nature, because as you said, you need to bring herbs and competition in the vineyards, and you want the roots to go deep, and you manage the vineyards organically and dynamically very differently. And this is what we've done, you know, my grandmother uh, had me do the garden at the age of six and seven, and use compost, and used you know, from the eggshell, not to let the lace come in to mm-hmm. really farm uh, very organically and naturally as we used to do things pre synthetic products. So I've actually never really known herbicides and pesticides because as my sister took over our finest estate in Burgundy, we did that. And when we bought Raymond, we converted over 300 acres now, fully organically certified. And even more importantly, we went the next step, which I really believe in is biodynamic farming. So you prevent, you treat the vineyards with a plant, and you basically prevent every illness. And, you know, the Raymond have been wonderful friends and your friends as well. And we love them. And they've embraced as well this evolution. And, and we've never had such beautiful fruit, given fruit, natural fruit that obviously makes. They're after stellar wines because the wine is made in the vineyards. The wine is made in the vineyards. It is. Don't tell Philippe. Oh. <laughs> That's right. So, Robin, as, we, as you describe your wine, and I think you really ought to, I'd like for you to share with mm-hmm. everyone around the world today that you've been a serial entrepreneur, you know, besides yeah. Ingle Nook, Stanford School, Mondavi, then you created Dominus, then you went to Maryvale that you created, and then you said to yourself, obviously, you want to create your own estate fully with your children, and now you've created this amazing estate, Blueprint, and under the name as well, Lale Vineyards. Tell us about what triggered that in you, wanted to do this, and two, how did you bring your daughter into it? and. And how are you building it for the next generations? So three questions in one. That's right. That's right.
1: And 14 seconds in which to answer you.
0: <laughs> we have plenty of time because you're one of the most fascinating ladies in the wide world. And, and that Texas ride we did in the taxi, I wished it would have lasted four hours instead of half an hour. I'm glad we went in the same hotels, but you know, we couldn't see each other again before. That was the end. That was the end. I saw you holding
1: forth, and that was it. But it was great. Okay, so, you know, when my father, because I was raised in the Mormon church. No. Okay. And do this. You know, do this when, when it's too much. Okay. No, no. It's never too much. So... I was raised with um, this man who was an incredible con- contributor to the wine business in California as well as Napa Valley. But he was a man who had this love affair with the Inglenook Ranch and the vineyards and the winery and the legacy coming from his great-granduncle and uh, his great uncle, excuse me, Gustav Nivon and. These were, these were the stories that I teased on. And then even when all the teeth came in, the stories kept coming, you know, and they did. And so they became my stories and my legacy and my pulse. And so, you know, in spite of my mother, when dad sold the winery, I was 24 years old because there was no one to leave it to. You know, because we were not allowed to be in the wine business. And, uh, well, what a sadness. But I wouldn't be who I am today if that had happened. So, you know, um, grander, way grander. <laughs> no. But, but, you know. possible. So, that, when the wine was sold was it was finished. It was finished with the legacy. I felt so bereft. Um, because you know, in one lifetime, how could anyone rebuild a three generational, eighteen hundred and thirty-one acre property with another hundred and twenty-five acres in in Yonville? How could that happen? Amazing. And by Impossible. the way, my my wallet was uh, my husband's. My wallets were very thin, extremely thin. Maybe not even needing to carry a wallet. <laughs> so. Um, impossible. So I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, Engelmuth had been the Lafitte of uh, Napa Valley for me as a child growing up, I'm so proud of what my father had done. And so that was the end. And then my father um, died in nineteen seventy, and I was asked to come back and manage the remaining vineyards. And we still had two or three hundred acres of vineyard, and so I did that, and and guess what, it all started stirring up, you know, I thought I had all placed it over it. No. And then my mother um, quickly sold all those vineyards as fast as she could, and I I was able to maintain one for my sister and myself, um, which was the Nepenek Vineyard, now home of Dominus. So... I was, let's say, when I married my husband, um, John, in 1966, he said, we have to, we have to go into the wine business, (laughs) and I thought, who do you know, you're from Colorado, get out of here, you know, no, we're not studying in the wine business, and you know, I hadn't, I went to Stanford, but I didn't study business. I should have gone on to business school, no, no, no. So there was none of all these components that would be so helpful. And so um, time went on, and dad died, and the the vineyards were sold, and then the ranch was sold, and it was very hard times, very, for for a few years, very bitter, which is a waste of time, totally, but nonetheless. Mm And then I thought, okay, well, this is silly. You're just hurting yourself, so let's get on with it. And in 1977, Robert Mondavi came to see me, and he said, I'd like you to be my secretary. Well, I don't think so. Remember, I mentioned that Dad had been his mentor in the wine business, and Bob had been devastated when Dad sold the winery and didn't let Bob know that he was going to do that because he would have tried to buy it himself. Yes, for sure. So I believe today that Robert Mondavi hired me so that he could tr- train me and get me going again, because there was so much training in the five years that I was there. I was so lucky, so, so lucky. So now, and every day at two o'clock, if he was in the winery, he would call me into his office and say, Robin, you have to go in the wine business again. And I'd say, Bob, I don't have any money. I don't know what I'm doing. It's, I couldn't. He said, But you have that vineyard. You know, you have that vineyard. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So, um, very high valuable vineyards, a beautiful Well, it was,
1: it, it was a good piece of vineyard, yes. And um, which which I did know. So, in 1982, um, you know, uh, Christian Moex came and um, was interested, and we formed a partnership with my sister. And I thought, this is it. You know, I've been able, I was so frightened by the thought of starting over. How could I possibly step up to the plate, you know, in, in this time? And so, and I didn't want to flub. I didn't you know, I didn't want to of do. And no in. one would want to. So, so, it's, it's so, so, so now um, I think I've got it. You know, here are these two beautiful families coming together from France and Neva Valley. We've got it made. This is perfect. I can, we'll amalgamate into a new vision for the 21st century and we'll go forward. But that just wasn't um, Christian's plan, I think. And um, I think that he really wanted to make it his own property and so in a period of time that happened. And there was a lot of wonderful things that happened in between, of course. But um, so that didn't work. And then I started Maryvale um, with Bill Harlan and his partners the following year, and my husband. And there were too many cooks in that soup. So you know, Sean Charles, by the time I was 55, which is 1995, don't do the math, please, thank you. it was do it or forget it. Do what? Well, it wasn't if starting Lale Vineyards. It wasn't if. It was when. And why Lale Vineyards and not John Daniel Jr.'s Vineyards? Because after working with so many um, brilliant men, it was really important for me to um, hang or fall on my own. You know, either of course. to either to block their people or flop on the ground. And so, um, and then very important to um, bring the girls in. And so they were in their mid twenties at the time and some had spent some time in, in the wine business, but little, but I said, okay, this takes everything we have. Are you interested in going forward? And they said, yes. And so we began, so we began and you know, My lifetime, my lifetime, I I think sometimes that we might actually write a business plan before we are born. And if that's the case, my business plan was to learn how to be really good at being humble.
0: (laughs) And it's working. (laughs) Well, this is an amazing story because you were the entrepreneurs of so many fantastic wineries. And then as a lady, because you're stressing on it in all those men along the way from your father to Robert Moldavi, to christian wex to bill Harlan and and the schlatters and many others you you decided i'm going to do it with my daughters and this is brilliant as a woman so this is why i want to raise my glass to you as an incredible charismatic inspiration for all the ladies in the wine world because your personal experience is i'm sure resonating with so many ladies listening and being with us today as you know, how do you become an entrepreneur and how do you just do it And And I love the fact that you said, that's it. I'm going to do it. Forget the business plan and I'm going to start it. And, and do we really need business plan? I think when you have it in your heart, like you do, you can only succeed and make, you know, star wines like this one. So, Raise my glass and congratulations to you and your daughters for being part of it. So tell us about the wine and the last part of the question is how is it to work and have fun with your daughters as a family legacy from so many generations and you directly working with them? So the wine,
1: the wine is, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting statement, I think. So, you know, we believe, normally speaking, that um, really fine wines come from just one piece of dirt, one one contributor. But back in the days when I was at Maryvale, um, we owned no vineyards at the time. And um, so we had to buy wine from a collection of different vineyards. And we made some lovely wines and so that taught me a lesson that was a surprise to me because i had grown up as an estate um, an estate brat if you will um you know treasured in the vineyards of inglenook and um, napanook and so lucky and also educated you know in the in the french mode if you will of terroir being king period you know made in the vineyard as you were saying so um, when we started um, Lale Vineyards, it occurred to me that we wanted to have our flagship wines, which are our John Daniel, our J. Daniel Cuvée, and our Georgia Sauvignon Blanc, and our Mole Hill, which comes from Hell Mountain. But that we would also want to have a lower, uh, lower priced entry point for younger people. Of course. So, because yeah. it's very important to feed your family you know and so so we began these blueprint wines and they were originally called blueprint by the way because my husband is an architect who was very active in the in the uh, wine world and built many beautiful wineries and um, many many uh, extraordinary wine caves and i wanted to say oh well done you know we the daughter my daughters and i so um but today, um we consider this now um a different moniker, and we consider it blueprint for change yes, and so the change is um, going forward to try and protect our planet and uh, make it habitable um, for our grandchildren and those who come beyond. It's a beautiful planet, and we and we're <laughs> we need it, and we need to protect it. So Blueprint for Change, um, and as Jean-Charles said, we do donate 10% of our online sales um, to uh, climate change organizations that are doing a great job. So this wine um, comes from a collection of vineyards, um, small lots. So we have probably 30 lots that we make a blend from. Mm. Late Milka, who has been our winemaker since the inception of Lael Vineyards, my one um, really smart move, um, you know, hiring him and now we're a family.
0: I'm glad you didn't give up on Frenchmen after Christian Mux. so I'm delighted <laughs> that, that you still wanted to, you know, be emotionally attached with those Frenchmen.
1: Well, I have two very special Frenchmen in my life. One of them is you, and one of them
0: is me. so (laughs) there. I feel honored and touched. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) So, um, this wine is, you know, one of those things where the winemaker is important because it is the place where the blend is made. And so I love the wines that Philippe makes. These wines are um, beautiful. They're always charming. They're very approachable when they're babies. But you know, I made a foolish mistake and I didn't keep a library of the blue of uh, red wines and, or the white wines for that matter. And I have a few bottles and um, they're magnificent. And their, their life is a far exceeding what I had hoped maybe would happen so if you have some in your cellar don't be worried because they're just healthy and well and waiting for you with great gusto they are so i love the wines i love i love the the um, nose of the wine yes the color is beautiful it's very lively this is a 2017. this wine you know scores or scores or scores This wine um, was given 97 points by the wine enthusiast. That's quite remarkable, you know, when you think about the fact that it was made to bring in younger people, pretty thrilling. So so it's some indication perhaps of the the quality of the wine. Um, These wines I consider beautiful everyday wines. These are Tuesday wines and Thursday wines and um, wines that are just always nice to put on the table.
0: And um, I, I really—that um, means you—you—you you, you recommend everybody to drink wine every day, of course, because if it's—I think it should be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.
1: Doesn't
0: Wednesday. everyone drink wine every day? But of course. <laughs> <laughs> what a question! <laughs> so, when you make those wines with your daughter, are you together with Philippe blending, crafting the wines together? So it's two generations yourself and them to to create this blend.
1: So the answer is no not at the moment. So our daughters are also not surprisingly serial entrepreneurs.
0: Yes, of course.
1: So they are um and as a parent no matter what it is of the utmost importance to my husband and I that our daughters pursue their passions with with full gusto yes and so they are my great supporters they're my great team our youngest daughter shannon um who's a film producer is a part of our marketing team and very much involved in the in the business now and our oldest daughter um has a very successful business she started 17 years ago and is also now in the real estate business um, and doing very well there. So, and she's the one that can't taste. So um, she can smell though. And once again, it's well, just case. right here. <laughs> so,
0: Absolutely.
1: So they're there and they are strong behind me and um, Shannon's strong in and erin you know, is my fabulous secret weapon. And So when we do tastings, we go out together and she is uh, a delight and a great passion carrying forward this wonderful tradition. So I'm very lucky to have them, not perhaps in the, in the normal uh, way that you might think, but nonetheless, very much there.
0: Well, it's great. And, and I believe in entrepreneurship, there's no normal way. <laughs> <And there's> no, <laughs> That's true. That's there's true. no it blueprint, is. so to speak, to mm-hmm. how to do something. I think it's great, as you said, to be on the tangent for everybody to follow their passion. And and in your honor, you know, from Ingle Nook, we we wanted to serve the Raymond Rutherford. Needless to say, your father, yourself, adore Rutherford because this yeah. and all of us as Frenchmen, you know, the Frenchmen have a have a deep, deep appreciation somehow for that terroir here in Napa Valley. So for everybody to know as well, 10% of of all those wines will go to Robin's uh, climate change organization today. So Robin, two more questions, if you don't mind.
1: Not at all. Very
0: important question. What has inspired you the most in, in your life?
1: So, you know, people sometimes, Jean-Charles ask you what your favorite is and what inspired me the most. It's kind of along that line, you know, what is my favorite inspiration. And I've never been a a woman who's able to do that. I'm a woman who is multi-inspired, if you will. And so my inspirations have come from... My father and his I, I think I wanted to be John Daniel until I was um sixty years old. Mm. Well, it was kind of a, n- not going to happen, but I wanted to be the of the level of elegance and and important important to the the ongoing of our business of our Napa valley business. so he was a, a huge inspiration um for many many reasons um, Robert Mandavi, an amazing inspiration. I never I never saw Robert Mandavi down. never, not ever, not once. And believe me, he had many reasons to be down flat on the floor, you know, um, maybe even crying a little, but <laughs> never, always positive. He had these wonderful homilies, which were, um, do you realize how lucky you are? To, it's all in how you look at things. Just think about these statements, they're so good. Don't forget to look back and see where you came from. Um, wonderful ways of looking at life. And he did, you know, I mean, he lived by those things. And I, you know, <laughs> my favorite, his favorite was it's a great life if you don't weaken. <laughs> yes,
0: great life. We've all
1: had moments like that for sure. Oh. But his, but his, you know, constant hammering and unending education was such an inspiration. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have done what what I was able to do. Bill Harlan, um, very, very inspiring. Um, <laughs> you know... And and Christian, of course, you know, so this collection of men, and then a man named Ben Benjamin Domenichianosi, who was quite famous in the early days in the wine world for the best wine cellar, which has just been put on the auction block. I mean, I just was so lucky to be in the company of these individuals who demanded a great deal. They demanded a lot. And... um, without inspiration, you, you, you could not survive. (laughs) You just couldn't,
0: you couldn't, it wouldn't work. So well said.
1: And so, and then of course, um, you know, great leaders and, um, there's, I'm inspired. I'll tell you, you know, if the taxi ride, the taxi ride in Texas. Yes. inspiring inspiring so inspiring why because here i was with this man who i had seen only once before that would be you um in action which was when you were speaking at the Vintners' meeting which was inspiring and now you're just talking you're just having a conversation and there are 400 maybe 500 ideas coming out of your head you know, it's kind of like a cartoon almost. Like, they're coming, they're all coming. <laughs> and I was so energized when I got out of that cab. I can't tell you, you know, I wanted to do a little dance.
0: <laughs> I wanted to do a dance. So well, then, I know you went to the bar that night and you had a little uh, dance. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wasn't inspired to drink. <laughs> well, thank you, Robin, um, so,
1: for, for so, putting uh, in gosh, the line
0: of those people.
1: Yes, you know, and, and you know so well, that if you have a good fortune to spend time in the company of an individual who is on fire and who you know, doesn't know the word can't and who, who doesn't know the word end, no. That's inspiring. So on a daily basis, whew, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Not for anything. That's because, okay. <clears throat> you know kind of your inspirations you know your great fabled inspirations fade a little maybe just a tiny bit
0: and then you know then so you you um, are the inspiration to all of us today by all those great examples and and the evolution of your incredible life to that point i wanted to make sure we had a wine as the conclusion of our wonderful time together that is generations because i really believe you represent you know for the last 135 years and and more to come the incredible legacy of the heart of passion quality elegance style sophistication and continuity of what you're doing with your daughters and i think it's fantastic what you've done with your husband your daughters and, and all that you're doing. So I want to first raise my glass, but then ask you the last question. <laughs> the, maybe the most important because you look 30 years younger than you are. And there's probably another 30, 45 years within you that's going to take you to do great things. And what is maybe, Robin, if you want to share as I taste generation, which is, the apex of Raymond, what is your dream? Maybe your dream you haven't yet shared to anyone, because I know you have a lot of dreams still in spite of all your achievements.
1: So once again, there's so many dreams, you know, my head is full of dreams. And, um, it's hard to just 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 pick one, so on the on the simple side, let's say um my dream is to have a hundred acres of my own vines you know that are under my under my embrace uh, my dream is to have a lovely winery my dream is to make wines that ultimately will be considered wines that you cannot live without in your cellar
0: well that's the case
1: (laughs) oh thank you you're very
0: you're so you're so french and so lovely thank you (laughs) no no but it's true and i'm not the only one thinking it obviously (laughs) luckily thank you so uh,
1: my dream is for this project, this Lale Vineyards, to go for generations to come, you know we're six generations into this story so far. We have wines named for all of our grandchildren, um, and um, the youngest uh, grandchild, this is a lovely story if I might, if I could of course. tell you this story, so um, our youngest grandchild was five years old and we decided that we really needed to to make a wine for her with her name on it. And when she found out at age five, she said to her mother, will you please write a letter to Gigi? That's me. <laughs> and, I, and so she dictated a letter and it said, dear Gigi, I am so thrilled that you are making a wine for me with my name on it. And Gigi, I'm wondering if it would be possible somehow if I could please taste the wine before it leaves the barrels. Five
0: years old. And <laughs> you you telling me there's no DNA passing <laughs> on as far as wine lovers there. So
1: she is my dream for the future. <laughs> oh they're all my dream
0: for the future, but she's just Ridiculously good. <laughs> That's amazing at five years old. But now I think there's another dream you need to share with everyone <laughs> that is maybe a dream in progress that will soon be unveiled.
1: Yes. So um I I have been um writing a book, uh, which is a book about it's basically honestly um, a book about my life and hopefully um peppered with a lot of the kinds of things that i've been talking about today which are way beyond my life and parts of the marvelous um history of this place and um i i hope to write that book and finish it you know i'm hoping that i might be able to um, see it published in um, 2021 in the Fantastic. So, yes, that's a dream. And, uh, you know, I've spoken about it so much, Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to speak about it until I hold it in my hand like somebody ugly held up the... No, we won't talk about
0: that. (laughs) Well, we cannot wait. We are very excited, Robin, to see the book coming out soon. And you're handwriting it as such, right? (laughs) And every page. So we look forward to the legacy of Napa Valley to be... Told in a further way by you and through your eyes. So we, we're we very excited when this comes out. Make sure you let us know. So we do a big book signing together as well one day. That's so nice. Thank you very much. That's so sweet. I really appreciate it very much. Well, Robin, we want to thank you so much. Your fabulous wine blueprint, the donation you're giving back to climate change, the hour you spend with us to Talk about the history of Napa Valley, your involvement, your family, your vision, your feeling, your emotions, your inspirations, and of course, your dream coming out soon. So now we get to taste you, which is great. Those wines are stellar, uh, of course. Nothing else to be expected but the best. And we really want to thank you for being with us and for doing all what you do, all what your family has done, and all what your daughter with you are doing today so let's not forget your husband too because you know being with a powerful strong lady as you are i'm sure he's going to dig a few more caves for sure is great design <laughs> and we we have a glass for him as well being surrounded like i am with three great ladies at home so robin thank you for being with us thank you so much thank you
1: so so much what a delightful Time and what an honor to be with you. Thank you, Jean Charles, so much. Too many more.